This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 154. Is your work environment toxic? Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for barrier-breaking women who are ready to shed their good girl layers so they can own their power and live deeply fulfilling lives instead. I'm your host, Lindsay Elizabeth. I'm a leadership coach to women all over the world. And I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire. We must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me and my guests as we challenge you to shed society's bullshit systems and beliefs to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you were meant to be. As you listen, trust your intuition to take what you love and leave the rest. The thoughts and perspectives I share on the show are my own with the lens of my lived experience as a privileged, white, cis, straight, able-bodied woman. And while that informs my experience and perspectives, I wholeheartedly believe living a deeply fulfilling life is possible to every woman. If I ever say anything harmful, I'm open to doing better and hearing your feedback. My goal is for you to leave this show feeling empowered, inspired and ready to share this show with every woman you know so they too can create a life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Hi there, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the show. This episode is all about determining if your work environment is toxic. This is a question I get from clients all the time asking me, Lindsay, am I in a toxic work environment? (laughs) And so when I found Melanie, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have her on the show. She just wrote a book called Detox that's talking all about toxic work environments and really allowing you to define if you are truly in one. And also in her book, she talks about, you know, you checking in with yourself to see if you have some things that may be called quote unquote toxic and how to manage that insecurity in the workplace. Melanie's story too is so interesting. I'm not going to give it away because I want you to hear it from her mouth in this interview, but she has really done some impressive things in her life. And she started from not such great things. So you will want to hear that in this interview. And again, this is one I'm going to be forwarding to all of my clients who are like, Lizzie, am I in a toxic environment? I'll be like, go listen to this interview and read Melanie's book. And I can't wait to pick up her book detox as well. So without further ado, here is my interview with Melanie. All right, Melanie, so excited to have you on the show today, talking all things about toxic work environments. As I was telling you before we hit record, I work with a lot of driven women who ask me often, am I in a toxic work environment? (laughs) So when I came across you, I was like, oh my gosh, we have to have her on. Let's start to define this. Like really let's get clear kind of like boundaries or clarifications about what this really is. So we all know, right. But before we get into all that, we have to go into your background because it's super interesting and fascinating. And so I'd love for you to just tell everybody a synopsis, um, about kind of where you started and where you're at now. Sure, definitely. Uh, Cause it really is an important part of, of how I've developed, uh, you know, my understanding of, of the power of healthy work environments is, is my own journey really factors into that because 
Um, I, uh, when I came into the corporate world at 21 years old, um, I had had a bit of a, a troubled uh, background growing up. My family went bankrupt when I was really young and I ended up um, leaving high school before even finishing grade 10. So when I got into that corporate world, I felt insecure. I felt like an imposter. I, I actually started in an environmental engineering firm where there was everybody with PhDs and masters and, and here I was, they hadn't even finished high school. Um, but um, in that environment, I was so lucky that I had a leader who uh, saw something in me that I didn't realize was there. And she really supported me to go back to school and get my bachelor, first get my high school equivalency, get my bachelor, my CPA. And uh, I was able to get four promotions in that company over the seven years I was there. And then from there, I've just been able to continue up until my current position, um, where I'm now um, CFO of a, a financial technology company. Wow. Mm-hmm. So amazing. Yeah. And and it, and the thing with that is that I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for the healthy leadership that I had along the way. But of course, like all of us, I did also experience some of those toxic work environments that we're going to talk about. And, and having had the healthy leadership earlier is really what highlighted to me uh, just how detrimental it is when we are in a work environment that is not healthy. Yeah. So would you define the leadership you had those first few years in corporate as really healthy and a beautiful thing? Yes, absolutely. Like it was yeah. somebody who who felt um, secure in themselves. So she was able to 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 support me because she felt safe herself in the position that she was in, uh, and she wanted to see me be successful as well. So yeah, it, it made a, an absolutely huge difference. Um, with, with the first promotion that I was offered, I actually almost turned it down because I was receptionist and and it was to the role of admin assistant. And I thought, oh, I can't do that. And uh, but she actually supported me and and helped me sort of build some confidence to take that on. So if it weren't for her, I I may not have have moved forward in my career. Wow. Can you imagine? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I, I do. I think about it often of, of how yeah. different, um, if we're not lucky to have someone come into our lives at the right time, it can, we can really go down a different, a different path. You know, and one person can really make a difference. Yeah. I think about too, of like how many receptionists are out there that are just like these diamonds in the rough. Need the right uh, mentorship, yes. you know, in, in many, in many roles, really, like I, I do, you know, I am a believer that we all have talents and we all have um, something that can help us grow and, and learn, but we need to be comfortable to try new things and find what that is. And if we're in an unhealthy, toxic work environment, we're much less likely to find that, that talent. Well, I think that's why a lot of clients come to me because they're not getting that mentorship or that coaching. They're like, I know there's more for me out there. I know I can feel better than how I feel. Yeah. And that's where we fill the gap. But you know, you were so lucky to have that in your work environment. So I was, yeah. And to have yeah. it so early. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've written a book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called detox. So kind of tell us how that book came about. What was the inspiration for it? And then tell us about the book, obviously. Yeah. So the inspiration does come from, from my journey of, of what I shared, but, um, and really the contrast that I saw between the, the, the healthy work environments versus the toxic one. And I, um, I, I saw in myself personally that when I was in a toxic workplace, I started using unproductive behaviors because I became uh, insecure. And when we're insecure, we use behaviors like defensiveness, procrastination, passive aggressiveness. And I saw in these toxic work environments, I used some of these behaviors and everybody around me was using them as well. And therefore they, um, they weren't reaching their full potential. And as a result, neither were the businesses. 
So the book is written from, from two perspectives. One of, um, so we can start to understand how uh, a toxic work environment impacts people, but also the business, because a business will not do as well if, if the work environment is toxic because employees won't be as productive. Yeah, so I'm so curious now is like, okay, so you had this healthy work environment starting yeah. out. Yeah. And then was it right after that you went into what you would consider an unhealthy work environment? Uh, no, it was, I was, I'm one of the lucky ones. The first, you know, 15 ish years of my career were actually in quite good, uh, positive work environments. It was later on, um, where I got into some that, that were, were not as healthy. And it, we could talk a little bit about w- what I mean by that, because as you mentioned in the beginning, you know, people are asking if they're in a toxic work environment. So what does that even mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, there's the really obvious one of where you have leaders who are bullies or micromanagers. Um, that's a pretty clear sign that a work environment is toxic, but some other things that can lead to toxicity is if you're in a work environment where there's a lot of uncertainty, so you're really unclear on what the expectations are of you, or uh, you don't know for sure what the business's strategy is or where it's going that creates a lot of tension and insecurity. So it can be really unintentional on the part of leadership, uh, but they're creating an environment that is actually toxic because people are just really nervous and uncertain about what they're supposed to be doing or, or where the business is going. Um, there's also, you know, as I've seen and, and probably so have others experienced where many people are not in roles that are right for them. Um, often people get promoted for the wrong reasons or uh, the selection process isn't good and people end up in roles that they're not suited for. And this can also really create toxicity in an organization because people become insecure when they're not uh, in roles that they that they feel prepared for. And that can lead to, to toxic behaviors as well. So there's some really obvious behaviors, like I say, bullying, et cetera. But then there's these sort of underlying things in an organization that can that can lead to toxicity. Yeah. And I would add to that too, because I'm in this networking group called Elevate. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. And so there are times I go in and I mentor women and a lot of them, they do come to me and they're like, I just don't know what I need to do to get promoted. And I'm like, have you asked? But then also that they're not being told that directly. I'm like, how do you know where you're going this next year? But then it comes up this new layer of really, they don't feel safety in the communication to go to whoever and talk to them about it. Because even like you said too, if they're in the wrong role promoted for the wrong reasons, um, a lot of times you feel that, but then you don't feel that safety to go to somebody and say, Hey, this is off. Yeah. Um, Because I think in a lot of corporate environments too, they make it mean something about you versus it being just a fit that's off. Would you agree with that? I, I do. And, and there's, there's all, there's also some really, you know, often we don't even totally know why we don't feel safe. Um, like they're, they're just, you just, you don't feel safe putting yourself out there maybe because there's really low transparency and you don't understand why things are happening for reasons, like as to why somebody was promoted into a role or, or why you didn't get a promotion. Um, if let's say you didn't get something and then you're going to be nervous again to, to raise it in the future, if you don't have a clear understanding of, of how decisions are being made in the company. Um, so there's many reasons, um, I think why people tend to be nervous about, about coming forward and actually talking about their careers with their leaders. Well, and would you say based on your experience and what you've seen, is it harder for women? Cause I see that 
in my role? For some reason, and, and exactly why that is, you know, often women are not as comfortable asking for progression and asking for salary increases. And, and um, also we tend to um, not boast about ourselves as, as frequently as, as I think our male counterparts too, uh, which puts us at a bit of a disadvantage because we're not, um, we're not selling ourselves. We're not positioning our, ourselves often uh, as strongly as, as our male counterparts are. Yeah. That's why my clients, we do brags. It's like, tell me, let's brag about yourself. Like take up space, claim it. Exactly. And it's like, at first they're always so uncomfortable. I'm like, come on, you can do this. Right. Yeah, which is um, so interesting as to why yeah. why we're like that, but I but I I agree with you because I I see it in myself too, and I need to work hard uh, to be okay uh, putting myself out there and talking about my accomplishments. But we do need to do it if we're going to push our careers forward. Yeah, well, I want to go back to your history for a second. It was mm-hmm. so great you started in this healthy environment. And then later down the road, you were like, Whoo, something's off here Yeah, because so many of us, we start off in what would be considered toxic. And then we just think that's the norm. Right. Yes. Right. (laughs) And so it's just like, okay, so we don't know. Yeah. So with that said, you gave a couple qualities of like, people aren't transparent or the business isn't transparent. Um, you're in the wrong role and then there's not the ability to communicate. Um, what are some other kind of like quick hits that somebody could be like, okay, something's off here to know that something's off in the environment. Yeah. Um, there, there's definitely some red flags. So if you're in a workplace where there's really low social interaction, for example, I, 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 you know, I've had it happen a few times where you, you walk through an office you can feel the difference in a toxic workplace versus a healthy workplace. When you walk through the office in a, in a positive, healthy environment, people look up, they smile, they greet you. Uh, whereas when you're walking through an office that is toxic, people tend to have their heads down. Uh, it's generally quite a bit of a quieter, quieter work environment because people are protecting themselves. Um, those environments also have silos for that reasons, like across departments, because people are just staying within their comfort zone. They're not interacting as much with, with their peers. That's definitely a sign of um, toxic work environment. And also if you're, if we're always getting, if you're getting surprised all the time by changes or by things that are happening in the business, that is generally because there's low, low transparency, poor communication. Um, and, and those kind of surprises that happen all the time, create toxicity because it puts, puts people on edge because they don't really know um, what, what to expect. Mm. Yeah. It's so interesting now that I'm a business owner. And I have just one contractor of like, I tell her so much and I think, am I telling her too much? Like, is this inappropriate? But then when I'm hearing you talk, it's like, and she always tells me, I just love your transparency, Lindsay, and like how open you are. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, maybe this is a good thing. So hearing this from you too, I'm like. Yeah, this is a good thing, right? I do. I I mean, I generally lean towards over communication. Um, And obviously, there's certain things that are because of privacy reasons, or if there's some sort of uh, acquisition or something that's happening in a business that you can't share all the details of it. But if we aren't transparent about something, people tend to know that something's missing. So if if there's something afoot in the business, your employees are going to sense that they're going to know that something's going on. Uh, We need to make sure we really give people a lot of credit because they do pick up on details. So if you're withholding information, if leaders are withholding information, that is really going to uh, create insecurity and and toxicity in the workplace. Yeah. My big takeaway of these qualities you keep saying, Melanie, is just emotional intelligence, great communication skills. (laughs) I mean, 
and, and authenticity, like, like I, you know, people sometimes come to me and ask about, you know, leadership traits. And I really do think one of the most important ones is being ourselves. Because when when we aren't ourselves, um, other people pick up on that, and that makes it harder for them to trust trust you. So you know, yes, there's like key leadership traits that that we can use, but I'd still think no matter what, the most important one is to actually just be authentic and be yourself. And maybe that includes some some traits that are not ideal for a leader, but I think it's way more important to be real um, than anything else as far as as creating a, a positive work environment. Yeah, for sure, and that's why it's so frustrating too. You know when I've had managers and I've done the work of finding my own authenticity and you can see when they haven't, mm-hmm. and they're like, come on, do the work, <laughs> like lead me, right. Lead me right. in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So good. Okay. So tell us more about the book detox. Um, you just recently released it, right? Melanie. Yeah, I released it about about a month ago. So it does uh-huh. cover what we've talked about here. You know, it's um, it, it's for one thing, I'd, I'd really go through what the behaviors are that that come about when when you're insecure, because uh, for one, from the perspective of it's important for for us to know as individuals so that we can watch for signs that we're insecure, because I think sometimes we don't actually even even realize it like our brain is actually protecting us from feeling insecure by not letting us see that we're insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead we use defensive behaviors and, and that type of thing. So it's important for us to understand that, but it's also written for leaders because I want leaders um, to start more often asking why when an employee is using an, an unproductive behavior. So, you know, an example of that is procrastination. Uh, we all have problems at some point with procrastination. And I don't know that we often enough realize that often people procrastinate because they're afraid of something. Uh, they're not procrastinating because they're lazy or they just don't want to do something. It can actually be a protective instinct because we're afraid of failure. Um, And uh, so that's just one of those points where I want leaders to start asking why rather than automatically judging an employee who's using a a behavior that can be frustrating like procrastination. Yeah. Again, it takes that emotional intelligence. (laughs) It it really is. It it does all come back to that. And and, yeah. uh, but I think if, if we don't um, learn that and use the use that emotional intelligence, we can categorize employees who could actually be game changers in the business. We then categorize them as a problem uh, when really if they're just in an environment uh, where they feel comfortable, they'll be able to, to exceed our expectations. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's why I love different assessments like the Colby assessment. Have you ever heard of that one, Melanie? No. Yeah. So it, it's one that just recently I was introduced to and it tests like how you're going to make decisions in the future versus personality assessments. Um, and a lot of businesses use it and I used it to find my admin. Um, and they match this up that way. And it's just, hmm. it, there's such a synergy with us. And I'm like, how did they create this? And so as I've dug deeper into that, um, it's really cool. And again, it's like, sometimes we're just in the wrong role. And if we yeah. just have the ability to be fully ourselves, yeah, to- totally. And, and, and this is one of those things where, where I say, sometimes we're not always aware. We may not even totally know that we're in the wrong role, but we just feel this kind of sense of insecurity. Um, and, and it, it takes sort of looking into ourselves to really assess where that's coming from. And is this job really the right fit for us? Or is it actually making us feel insecure? Because we know that um, it's, it's actually not uh, using all of our strengths. Yeah. Well, and what I found with clients too, is sometimes it is the right role. It's just, it brings that mindset stuff of like, I'm not worthy. I'm not valuable. I'm not enough. 
Yeah. And then as we clear through that, it's like, but then, you know, right. And that's where you have to do the inner work of like, what is this that's going on inside of me? So, um, I just hate it when people don't do the work, they just like stay where they're at. If you're having those feelings inside of you start to look around, like what is going on here? Don't just accept it as it is. It, it yeah. is, it is scary to, to sometimes do, to do the work because you have to face some things that, that you may not have wanted to. I mean, I can tell you for myself, um, for many years, I didn't, I didn't share that I didn't finish high school, um, because I was afraid of what, how people would think about me. And it wasn't actually really until I did share that though, that I really, truly overcame some of my insecurities because my withholding it and not sharing it was actually creating an imposter syndrome and was validating, um, that insecurity. So I really do find that once we can do that work and sort of put out into the world who we really are, uh, we'll become much stronger as, as individuals. Yeah. You know, I found too, when I share vulnerable things like that, and then you're met with love and grace, it's like this new level of unstoppableness, you know, it's like, I totally agree. I yeah, totally, agree. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why was I hiding that? You know, I know that that's yeah. exactly how, how I felt about it. It's, it's empowering. And, and then when you do that, you also help empower other people to share, uh, their vulnerabilities. And so you're like unleashing, unleashing a power in, in sharing your own, uh, in helping yeah. other people do the same. Yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to of when you're in the right environment, that's not quote unquote toxic and yeah. you're able to do that. What growth versus in those toxic environments, you're like, I can't share these things. I don't feel safe for whatever reason. Exactly. And yeah. And so that starts to just slowly bubble and eat away at you more than you probably realize. So exactly. let's touch on that, Melanie. Like what have you seen of people who are in toxic environments, either short-term or long-term, like how does it really impact them? You've, you've really nailed it in your description there, because when we are um, in a toxic work environment, we're going to become risk, risk adverse. Uh, so we aren't going to like growth and learning is actually risky because we're putting ourselves out there. We're trying something we've never done before. Um, and I found that for people that are in toxic work environments, not only does it limit the learning and growth that they're doing within the organization, it actually bubbles over into the rest of your life too. Because when you spend 40 hours of your week feeling threatened, um, you're not, you're not even going to put yourself out there in the rest of your life. So if you really look at it, uh, of, of what you're doing, are you trying new things in your personal life? Are you going and learning? And in most cases, I would say people aren't, I can tell you for myself, when I was in a toxic work environment, I avoided even like learning new sports or learning new things. Cause I, I, my psyche was already so under siege from being in this unhealthy workplace all day that I didn't want to risk doing anything that, that I might find hard. Yeah. It goes back to me. Have, have you ever heard of Maslow's triangle? Oh, yeah. the hierarchy of needs, I, actually right? have a chapter, I actually have a chapter on it in my book because oh, I, I, I really tie back to that. Um, the second tier of Maslow's hierarchy is, is the safety or it falls under, and that's right above like breathing. Um, and I categorize that it's not just physical safety. It's also psychological safety. So if our, if we feel like our mental state is at risk, um, protecting that becomes our number one priority. Therefore, we're not worried about self-actualization and recognition. All we're worried about is keeping ourselves safe. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Anything we missed? 
one of the other things I talk about in the book, which is which we haven't totally touched on, is is the power of having that sense of belonging in in the workplace as well, um, because we are so social creatures, and and an environment that is uh, safe also has a has a greater sense of belonging and inclusion. And we talk about inclusion a lot um, a lot nowadays, and, and how important that is, you know, broadly. But in, in a work environment, um, it really is because if people feel like they are outsiders or there's a clique that they're not part of, and this can happen in toxic work environments because uh, in a toxic workplace, employees are going to band together as a, like a form of self-protection. Uh, and that can sometimes mean that they alienate, alienate other people. So people who are new, so if you actually are new to a company and realize once you get there that it's toxic, you may actually find it's very hard to break into the social circles within those companies because those people are protecting themselves and not letting new people in. And uh, it's, the, you know, it's not that those people are not good people, they're just trying to protect themselves. So definitely um, belong, senses of belonging and inclusion are, are really uh, much lower in a toxic workplace. Yeah, I have to sit with that for a minute because so I've been doing a lot of DEI work this past year myself and realizing, you know, just the way our system is set up with the patriarchy, right, of how women just naturally don't feel as safe. Yeah. And then especially women of color or people of color and how important it is that we do that deep work to understand our biases and all of that. So not only just from an emotional standpoint, but just from this whole other standpoint. And so it makes so much sense on another layer, if they're not feeling that inclusiveness and belongingness, even if it could be a pretty healthy environment, like there's some, there's a deeper layer to that. Does that make sense, Melanie, as I'm like talking that out with you? Yeah, no, it does. And, and you've, you've actually hit on something that I've, I've thought about recently because, um, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but I, you know, you talk about women and, and feeling safe in, in the workplace. And I've noticed a significant shift over the past, um, I don't know if it's five years or longer, but now that women do have more safety in the workplace and we do feel um, like there's more opportunities for us and there is, we are included in more things, women are now banding together. Um, and supporting one another and empowering one another like I've never experienced in my career. And so it really, really speaks to the power of having that safety because, you know, 20 years ago, women in the workplace, they they had to fend for themselves. Like it, it was very difficult for them to look out for each other. And it's been really beautiful to see um, more recently how now women are really getting behind each other and, and are supporting each other. So there's um, it, that needs to spread, you know, more broadly in the workplace, but it really does show um, if we can create safety for people, it lifts everybody. It lifts everybody up. Yeah. So there's a light is what I hear. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've been out of corporate for gosh, eight years now. So yeah. Yeah. No, th there is. I've um I've really maybe it's just been in the past five years that I've I've really noticed it, um, how much more uh support there is in the workplace for women and and uh, it really is making a difference. Good, good. So the ball's moving forward. We just need to widen that. Yes. Spectrum. Yeah. And we are, we're moving. Right. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much, Melanie, for sharing all your expertise. Can you tell everybody how they can find you and get the book and all the things? Yeah. So I'm, um, I have a website that's melaniepump.com, but I'm also quite active on LinkedIn. So I recommend uh, connecting with me there and you can find my book. Um, easiest place to find it is, is on Amazon. Perfect. I can't wait to read it myself. So well, yeah, I look forward to your feedback too. Yeah. Um, well, thank you again, Melanie, for coming on and, and sharing everything. 
Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. If you haven't left a review for the show yet, what are you waiting for? Your reviews give us the feedback and momentum we need to continue to produce this incredible free content for you. Plus, when you leave a review for the show, you get a copy of my book for free. Simply take a picture of your review and submit it to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash one zero zero and you'll receive a digital copy of my wisdom from the first hundred episodes book this book is a study guide for life enjoy and of course share this show with your friends i believe every woman can create a deeply fulfilling life that lights them the fuck up from the inside the more you help others succeed the more you help yourself so share share, share this show. And I'll see you soon and your friends back on the show next week for another eye-opening episode. Until then, keep rocking it.